All right, we are live. Mike, thanks for driving down here. My pleasure, Dale. Good know, to see you. Yeah, you too. I know we've been looking forward to uh, to doing this one for a while. You've got so much history with, you know, BMX and mountain biking and, uh, you know, everything. Uh, what we all came out here for in the in the 90s, you know, the Orange County scene, Sheep Hills and, and orange wine. And, and like I say, I, I knew you from back then. And yeah, you've got history and uh, still, still obviously heavily involved in the in the bike industry. So uh, it'd be good to uh, good to chat. For sure. All right, so I guess we'll get start with uh, how did it? Uh, how did you start BMX? What well, years? Early days? You know, you, you, that question's been asked to me so many times, Dale. But I just I go back to the movie on any Sunday. Um, oh. When I was a child, I think my dad. You know, I moved into this new house in Orange County, and you know, not to get long winded here, but when we bought the house, there was the backyard was dirt. It was dirt, and we just like I was had a bike and I made a little jump, and my dad took me to see this movie on any Sunday, and that takeaway seeing the dude riding the wheelie the bmx oh, yeah. i mean iconic, it, it, yeah. it was just so iconic and i just kind of liked the sport i wasn't a big team guy and I, I played baseball but i was more in the infield watching the guys riding their bikes by um so that kind of got me started in, in in bmx and then i remember i went to the library and i'll never forget this i was probably second grade so we're talking 1973 74 um i picked up a sports illustrated boys life and it had a whole thing on bmx in there and it, actually, a lot of the stuff was done at Longmont Regional Park. So, like, I took the magazine home, showed my dad, and I'm like, I want to go do this. So, a couple weekends later, we figured out how to get where the track was, Longmont Regional, and I went there. And it was just like, the racing was already done, but there were still people hanging out. And I remember a few key guys, Steve Bemke, Keith Lawson, I met those dudes there. And I was just memorized by these bikes. Like, oh, my God, like, this guy had a Schwinn and a Red Line. It was just... So I'm like, I want to race, Dad. So we figured out when the next race was and, you know, lots of people along with it once again. But that's where I started, you know, like uh -huh. just seeing it and going there. And then a couple of weeks later on a Sunday, we figured out when it was race. It wasn't even sanctioned then. I don't think it was ABA. And I remember it was a dollar to race. Wow. And then a couple months later, they actually became an ABA track. And it was like $3 to race. You had to have like a membership. And you mailed this little card in the mail. Like, oh, I got my ABA license, my CA14 number, 1134 or something. You know? Right. I just still remember that. It was just awesome. So that's kind of where I started as, as falling in love with the bike. Was that before Orange? So Orange wasn't built then? Orange, I think, you know, I don't know the timeline. I think Orange might have been built or just was getting ready to get built. But Longmont Regional was before Orange Y. Oh, okay. And so when did La Mirada disappear then? Because that was already gone. La Mirada went or... for a few years, you know, and it kind of probably, before I was done with high school, so in the mid-70s, later 70s, it got disappeared. And I remember we were doing like La Mirada Regional, we were doing the Orange Y, and I'll never forget this. So it was summertime, and I'm probably 14 or 15 now, uh -huh. and we hear about this Orange Y track. So I'd already raced, I'd raced Irvine, uh -huh. I'd raced Azusa, La Mirada was my local, uh -huh. and that trail track you could ride during the week. I could go there like right now today and ride my bike. There was right. no fence, just different time. Uh -huh. So I went to Orange Y, and it was on a Wednesday night, and I'll never forget this. There was 85 motos, wow. and I hate to keep going back to the old days. Yeah, yeah. My dad was pissed right. <laughs> because we didn't get home the one o'clock in the morning. Wow. I made the main, right. you know, 13 beginner, <laughs> right. and we get home at midnight. Wow. They had a pro class. They had guys from, I remember seeing Doug Davis there, Brian Gass, Billy Griggs. They had all these dudes there, BMX. They had a pro open class or something. Like Greg Hill was there, Stu was there, David Lee, Dennis Kishiyama. Wow. Um, there was just tons. It was crazy. Uh -huh. Like 80 motos on a Wednesday night wow. pro-am class. That's unbelievable. I yeah. didn't want to go back there because he got home at midnight and had to work the next day. Right. <laughs> you know, I was stoked, you know, but it was cool. 
When then, so you know the the orange scene is that so I get, I get like when I first went there, it was like oh my god, you know, it's like I felt like I was in a magazine. Was you reading magazines at the same time or not? Oh quite? yeah, uh, we. I mean, we we live for BMX action, right? You know, BMX, I mean, B, you know, and I, and I think about that, like how things have totally changed. But like mm. back in the BMX action day, mm-hmm. Oz and Wendy and Gork, like. Mm-hmm. They made riders who they were. Oh, absolutely! Because yeah. you couldn't wait. There was no. I didn't know how you did at a race. I had to wait till the magazine came out and they did a recap. Yeah, there was no internet. No, but like you would run as a child. I would run to the store and pick a BMX action and just scour those pages for hours and just. I couldn't wait to get that thing mailed to me. It was so amazing back then. Yeah, no, same same story for us. And we had to wait. You know, you felt you had to wait for the magazine. We had to wait for that international on top of that. You right? Know? So yeah, we you guys were six across the pond. Yeah, so like sometimes <laughs> six months still we know. Who won? Who won what? But I, we definitely had that same uh, experience with with magazines and stuff. Um, who were some of the guys you rode with at the start? Then can you remember some of the guys you buddied up with? So you know, back then I just had a couple guys from school, Jeff and Danny. We all were just neighborhood kids who did BMX, and then our parents would take us to the races, and we'd you know share off one week. And my dad would take three of us, and we'd get in the car on Saturday morning, and we'd go to you know Irvine or whatever the track was, and then the following weekend we'd go to the state race at Norco Corona. And I mean, if you could like, we could look at a map on your podcast. I mean, we had, you could race like nine times a week, Wow! you know, and that's when I started like chasing district points that actually meant something back then. I mean, if you had, you know, like at the end of the year, you know, like if you were a Cal three or Cal 14, there was like a pizza party and we went from the track and hung out and they did an award, you know, it was, it meant something to be that district and chase those points. And, you know, we'd wake up, you know, get a little bit older, you know, I'd wake up and do Irvine Sunday and then Orange Wise Sunday night. And then Monday, you could go to Norco Corona. Tuesday, you could do Cole Canyon. Wednesday, Orange Y or Azusa or Ascot or Monrovia or, or wow. San Pedro, Norco Corona. Um, I mean, I could keep talking. Elsinore had a track. There was a track in San Diego, Kearney Mesa. I mean, we had Cole Canyon. We had Ascot, Azusa, Montclair, Snipes, Norco. We, I mean, there was Elsinore. There were so many freaking tracks. And then we had, you know, like Devonshire Downs and we had you know, Simi Valley, and we had, you know, we still have Whittier Net, like, there was so many freaking tracks, right. and you go there, and there was 30 freaking motos, you know, every, every, every day, 30 motos, and then on a weekend, 50, 60 motos. So did you, I guess you, just that alone, you didn't really need to leave California much, really, no. to get, it was like, to, to go back east, or... It was no. maybe just maybe the factory guys that probably did that kind yeah, of stuff. But for yeah. you guys, everything was right here, right? Right in our backyard. I mean, you know, there was one time, I don't know if it was Action or BMX Plus, the little thing, like, what's in Orange County? And it, like, there was, like, 30 different places between local tracks and then, like, the factories, GT and S&M and Dino and all these companies, Krupe right. and, you know, LRP, Longkarovich and right. GHP, all these. Or, well, right here, dude. All yeah. Here, this way, you know, I mean, it was crazy. So then, you know, like, so now I'm like 14, I'm a freshman in high school and I, you know, have like this park by my house and we have some little jumps. So then like, as a child, now I can kind of ride wherever I want to go. So there was this place called Parks and that's kind of where I got my mainstay in the sport. And I go to there and my buddy's building a jump and a turn. And I'm like, oh, rad, man. I'm on my power light, you know, I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, just, you know, building, building jump, you know, I'm like, all right, can I help? And he's like, yeah, you know, so next thing you know, we're, you know, and there's videos on my website of this, Parks, we've got a little dirt track, you know, but not like Sheep Hills dirt jump, but like a BMX track where you follow the line like a race. And next thing you know, we got two turns and we got three turns and we got four jumps and then I built a starting gate. So now we've got a BMX racetrack that I've built and 
I'm like, dude, let's hold a race. Right. So I can remember making flyers on paper. My buddy's dad took him to work and, you know, cheated to use the copy machine. Right. And we made 50 flyers. And then the <laughs> next day I went out posting them at the schools and all the local spots. There's no insurance. There's nothing. Right. I've got old recycled trophies from Orange Y and Irvine that we give away. Mm-hmm. I got a six-man starting gate, and we do sign-ups just like ABA. And I should have brought – I have those motor sheets, dude. Wow. I've got them. I How many them. guys did you get? We would get – I mean, so remember, six-man starting gate, we'd do two classes. Either you were a beginner or you were an expert. Right. And we would get literally – I mean, this is mind-blowing – 20 to 25 motos. Wow. So then we held what we called, was called Parks BMX or Parks Bicycle League, PBL. And at the time, you know, I ended up, you know, Orange Y was our local scene, hanging out with Moeller. He created Lucky's. Right. That was a place. I remember that in BMX section. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so there was like Fullerton was like the Orange County middle with Parks. Then we had like Centennial Park, but that was more of just jumps. That's where Hill hung out. Right. Moeller had Lucky's with Mike Smith and the guys. And then Harry and a lot of the guys up north had Honda Hills. But Parks was the only actual racetrack where we held races. So then we kind of worked together and we would have races at Parks. And we did what we called the PBL National. My buddy had a computer. I mean, this is like a Tandy, dude. And we had a point system, no different than ABA. Wow. And I kept points and we posted it and we'd print it out and put it at the track. And we held races. 50 cents I charged. We would sell water and Coke, uh, have a little guy fix bikes there, and people would show up and we would just pack the place. Right. Uh, my PBL Grands, we called at the end of the year race, I think I had 37 motos with a six man starting gate. That's and amazing. there was no open class. Wow. It was rad. That's super cool. That yeah. Maybe maybe stuff that they uh, yeah say printing flyers like the old rock star, you know, Hollywood yeah. scene. That's what they did, wanted you to put flyers on the. All around Hollywood to, to promote their bands and stuff, you know. Exactly, you know. Um, so race-wise, how did you, uh, what was your best year's race? I know you used a BMX Plus test yeah, rider. And I, used sh- a BMX I sucked action. as a racer. I was never a good racer. BMX made to A-Pro, right? <laughs> no, I never made it to A-Pro. I was kind of like that up-and-coming 16, 17 expert. Um, you know, I went to a national. Back then, I, it was, you know, I think it might have been 17 and over. Right. I mean, we had 150 riders at a national. Wow. I can remember, you know, like looking at this sheet and going 16th and 8th, 32 semis. Wow. 16s and 8s, you know. And, I mean, if you can make the main back then in that class. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, DiDleone and, you know, Richie Anderson. And, you know, like just, you know, it was just, it was like such an accomplishment. Redline John Anderson. There were so many riders. Daryl Young and. All these guys. Um, I made a few national mains, but uh-huh. I never won anything. I think I won a couple redline braces. Uh, my biggest claim, my most famous race was I got third at the Redline Cup in Vegas one year. Right. You know, uh, made a couple national mains, but, but that was about it. You know, uh-huh. it was just, it was tough. It was a tough sport. Yeah. So what happened was I, uh, you know, always being the guy at parks every day, Dale, um, all the magazines. So if there was a, ra- a national in SoCal, you know, we know that. You know, we knew the schedule. And yeah. then, like, like, Thursday, Friday, or, like, actually Wednesday, all the pros would fly into Orange County. So you get, like, all the NorCal pros. You know, John Cruz and Eric Roop and, you know, I don't, Frank Post and, you know, all these guys from all around the country would be there. And Jeff Rumner. And I remember, you know, I'd show up and they'd all be there getting ready before the national, kind of warming up. And, you know, it was just rad. So then I got in with Dean Bradley from BMX Plus, And I even got in with John Kerr. 
And one day Dean Bradley hit me up and he's like, dude, I want to be a test rider. Like your skills were amazing. You, you know, and I'm like, oh, sweet. So that was kind of like my right. claim to fame was, you know, yeah. I, I did that. That's you know? so I was, rad though. Yeah. I was yeah. a test you got rider. Some great shots. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, and I, I could jump and I can remember like I did this test. It was called how rad could you get on the red line $200 BMX bike? Right. And my famous jump was that turndown I used to do. But the way the bike was with the short head tube, the handlebars hit the seat. And we used to run the seats super high. Right, yes. So I remember we had to like take the seat off. We had to bend the seat post back <laughs> so I could get the bars clicked for, right. for BMX Plus, you know. And then shortly after that, um, I went to I went down one day and, and BMX Action was there. Oz and Wendy and maybe Gort too. I don't remember. But they were doing a thing with uh, R.L. Osborne and Mike Buff, a photo shoot. Right. So Wendy comes up to me and goes, you're Mike, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I've heard about you. Like, this place is really cool. We're going to do a thing called Local Thrashing. Yeah. And I'd like to feature you and all this Orange County scene. So this is in, the, this is in like, mid-80s now. Right. BMX is still blowing up. Pete Lonkarevich, you know. Uh, I think that's kind of when you came to the scene. We got Greg Romero. You've got... You I know, was late, early 90s when yeah, I came. Yeah, so a little yeah. bit before that. But that yeah. was... The scene was big. You know, yeah. Pete was the guy. You know, we had, I mean... God, Charles Townsend, Brian Lopes, Eric Carter, Dave Colahan. I mean, there were so many pros. Yeah. So they're like, we want to do this deal, and we want you to be a part of it, and we're going to do local thrashing. So my head just blows up. Like, this is BMX action. I'm going on the front of, like, the number one oh, yeah. publication ever. We yes. drool about this, right? So um, they hit me up. You know, they, they call the house, say, hey, we're going to go there on this Saturday. So I go there Friday, get the track all dialed in. I water it. We got hoses. I sweep it. And they show up with all this camera equipment, and they're like, all right, let's start riding. So I'm just in my element, you know. I've got to jump better than ever. Right. And uh, they do the whole local thrashing thing on us. They do go to Honda Hills and go to Lucky's. So technically, I was supposed to get the cover. There's that shot of me in the red Levi's doing that radical, weird angle. With the plaid shirt on? Yep. Yep, yeah, yeah. That was going to yeah. go on the cover. Wow. And I would have made that. But what happened was, shot. I guess, at the time, Woody Itson and Hutch, you know, Miranda and all those guys, yeah. they, they were all waiting to get a cover too and they did that 24 karat hutch freestyle bike. oh and it puts you up obviously because you know hutch paid money for advertising right Woody got the cover it bumped you up he pimped me but anyway i still had the opening shot you know color yeah no no I, and I, I know i've got that shot and i'll try and find it and link it up with this uh with this podcast so everybody can see that yeah that so that was cool kind of like my claim to fame you know and it was a great story and that really at that point took parks the local track that i built right. to the next level like you know it was famous it was bmx action so that i'll never forget that uh, people started really gravitating to my track. I recently had a few bad injuries, broke my hand twice, broke my thumb. You know, I'm at a, I'm in senior year in high school, and we have parks as big at this time. Mm -hmm. And the city knows it's there. The city let us build this place. Like, all right, it's cool. Right. Keep it over here, guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was good. So then moving forward, parks, um, you know, we're still holding some races. Um, it's big. And the city tears it down right after this whole local thrashing thing gets done. And I remember one of the closing captions in BMX action was, you know, parks will be around a California falls off into the ocean. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't fall off the ocean, but parks right. got torn down. So uh, the city bummer. let us, they were so cool that they still on their planning map at downtown Fullerton in the city hall, mm -hmm. they had this area that they like, it said parks BMX. Mm -hmm. So like, well, let's go build another track. Right. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've been working on this thing for five years, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I've rented bulldozers before, mm -hmm. and we built this whole track. Like, I'm 16, 17. I'm in high school, a senior. I really want to go to that, you know? Right, yeah. Then I had a couple injuries, 
and then I was kind of like, you know, at that time I was still, remember I was chasing district points. I was like district five at the time when I think I had like 13,000 points that year because we just chased district points. And then my goal was, you know, I was becoming pretty fast, you know, like I was starting to make some national mains. Like I wanted to turn pro the following year, like mm -hmm. go A pro when that meant something. And I got hurt. I broke my thumb and my dad just really was like, what are you doing with your life? You know, you better figure this out. You're not going to make a living right on a bicycle. We want, you know, so then I, you know, after two injuries, you know, that's six months of kind of downtime. You kind of like evaluate, like, what am I really doing? You know, mm -hmm. then my local spot parks, which I love was done. I'm like, all right, you know, do I want to go start shoveling again? Had a girlfriend driving a truck around, you know, kind of got healthy again started just going to orange Y and still racing but just i wasn't there and i think uh -huh. that's kind of like the sport was really good you know there was a lot of pros foster brothers started coming in now we're like 85 86 and i just lost my drive at that time and uh -huh. you know, i kind of did what most guys did was i checked out yeah so then work and stuff obviously we'll talk more about the bike shop and stuff yeah but first you did some other stuff right <laughs> right so you know i i still love the sport but i just you know i Reality hit me in the face. I'm never going to be a Greg Hill. I'm never going to be a Brian Lopes. I'm never going to be the Stu Thompson that I always dreamed of being. Mm -hmm. And that was okay. Mm -hmm. I still loved to ride my bike and my BMX bike. And I can remember I just started doing like beach rides. Right. You know, like so on the weekend, I just hook up and just chill on my BMX bike, take my shirt off. Yeah. You know, I was cool. Get a suntan, Huntington right. Beach. And yeah. On my freaking Daryl Young JNC. <laughs> nice. And, you know, it was still a part of my life. But, you know, then I went, you know, I started to have to get a job and I went to work for Albertsons. Mm -hmm. Um, that was what my father did. And when I was building parks back in those days, you know, I'd, I had to go to work on a couple days after school. I'd drive my truck to work in Monrovia. There was a track in Monrovia that I would ride at too. I remember that. And then, you know, on the weekends, I'd work on a Saturday, get off work at three or four, drive home as fast as I could and go ride my BMX bike at parks. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, parks is done. So I kind of lost that. Um, started working, trying to figure out like, what am I going to do for a living? You mm -hmm. know, um, worked at... Albertsons as a box boy, you know, that 16-year-old, 17-year-old job. First job, yeah. Yeah, because my dad had sold off the grocery stores. He had sold off the markets because he was 65 years old. And it was a lot of work at that time to, you know, he came out of executive corporate America. And then he was an independent entrepreneur and owned his business. So that kind of left me like, all right, what am I going to do? You know, I had saved up a bunch of money. Um and I kept it in like a, like a, like a box in my bedroom. Like I had a bank account and I had like 800 bucks or a thousand bucks. So I'm not working and I'm just kind of still riding my BMX bike. Yeah. You know, kind of hanging out. Yeah. So I spent us, this is like right after I graduated, you know, still racing orange Y, you know, kind of just hanging out, not super competitive, but yet, you know, it, it was fun. It was who I was. Right. Go there on a Wednesday, maybe just ride practice. But I, we all hung out, me, Steve Kane and a lot of the BMX guys. And then my dad's like, you got to get a job. Or you got to go to school. I'm just like, uh, but I got like 700 bucks, dad. Right. <laughs> I'm good, man. I can, you know, right? You know, I'm 18 yeah, yeah. years old. So, no for that. so anyway, it was right after like my last injury too. Because I was still, I was working. Then I got a job. I was coming off an injury. And I remember I broke my hand. And I don't think I was work. I just started at Albertsons and I had a broken hand. I'd been there working literally like almost like. I think I had three months was probation and it was like a week prior to my probation ending. Mm -hmm. That's when I broke my hand at parks. So during that time, then I had to have a surgery. Well, 
we belonged to retail clerks, which was a, a way that, you know, that was like a union. So we had to get the surgery covered through insurance because I was now, I think I was right at 18 and I was off my, I forget how it all worked. But anyway, I remember getting my insurance covered because my dad was a grocery store pioneer. He'd be kind of like you and Greg Hill and BMX. You guys are just, you know, you'll forever be there. So my dad took me to this place and the union guy knew my dad and he signed off on the paperwork and put me through and then my whole accident was covered, didn't cost me any money out of pocket, whatever. So that gets better. And now I'm, I'm working full time, not full time, but quite a bit. I get promoted at work and I'm like, all right, you know, life is happening here. Bikes are still a part of my life, but I'm just gonna, you know, just ride and kind of stop racing and just do what I do, work mm -hmm. and hang out like we do. I had a mini truck, it's lowered, me and Jeff Danell and Billy Griggs are oh, all yeah. in this truck Billy scene was now. Famous for that one too. Oh yeah, he yeah, was, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you know, he made, you know, I think he made a lot of money talking about, you know, back in the day BMX, but now I'm working. So I'm over BMX, kind of, sort of, and I'm just, I got a job. So now I'm like, all right, well, this is cool. Making some money, driving a truck, trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I want to get promoted. And my goal was I'm going to be a grocery manager. I want to run a grocery store. I want to work for Albertsons for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and be a store director and run a store. So I didn't really get the promotion I thought I was going to get. I got kind of, kind of screwed. Mm -hmm. They promoted another guy after the boss told me like, hey, you're my next in line. So a guy that I used to work with, Sam, really good friend, still to this day, he still works for Robertson's, or actually at the Pavilions now. He's like, hey man, I want you to come run my, be my grocery manager in Santa Ana, or Costa Mesa, or I don't remember where it was. I'm like, let's do it. Well, that was been an inner transfer, so I had to transfer one district to another, and my boss didn't approve it. So I'm kind of getting screwed. So a, another guy, at that time, I'm running the liquor department, he says, dude, you should get a job at Coors, they're hiring, they need a sales guy. I'm like, all right. So I ended up taking a job at Coors in Santa Fe Springs. Our territory was La Mirada Whittier, and then it went all out into like Pico Rivera, Montebello, so like the hood. But I was a white guy. Right. And we were in a very deep Hispanic community. So the number one Coors territory was La Mirada Whittier, which I knew because that's where I worked. BMX. And BMX, yeah. and I knew that's kind of where I lived, and right. Albertsons and all that stuff. So I take over this territory. Well, let's fast forward through that whole area. I ended up getting promoted and I, we started this division called the non-alcoholic division. So then I'd start doing Snapple. So I run this whole Snapple, I launched Snapple for the distributor. Oh, cool. It was rad. And I mean, we grew this, this company tripled in size within three years. And I'm running this whole Snapple division. Well, I ended up getting promoted and then I got demoted because this other guy, Russ Marshall, he was a, can I say dick on your podcast? Oh, of course. He yeah, was a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't like, we, we couldn't get along. He was an right. old school guy. So anyway, he demotes me. Meanwhile, I'm like trying to get a job at maybe Arizona Iced Tea. I talked to the guys at Snapple. I had an interview with Hanson's Energy before it was Monster. Wow. Um, you know, just going way you back. probably got some good contacts. I do. You know, it's funny. <laughs> some of those guys are still running the companies. So I ended up getting fired from H&L, Coors, Snapple. But I had already interviewed and I had a position. They already hired me at Arizona Beverage. But I was negotiating salary. And I was like, man, I really wanted the Snapple job because I was kind of negotiating with them as well. But that was kind of political. So Arizona hired me. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I lost my job at H&L. I mean, I'm not afraid to say I got terminated. Networked a deal. Got, you know, two months severance. Everything was good. I go to work for, for Arizona Ice Tea. Started off as just a regional manager, kind of managing a territory, mm -hmm. you know, over bikes and just kind of hanging out. So one day... I'm driving 
and I'm going by to my mom's house, which was in Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And I was living on my own, had a condo in Garden Grove, and I'm like, I'm gonna go say hi to my mom. So I drive by the Fullerton Loop, and mm -hmm. I see Toby Henderson, of all people. At that time, I'm making good money, and I was into jet ski racing then. Mm -hmm. I started doing jet skiing. So Is that I'm how you know Victor from back that's then? That's how I met Victor. Oh, right. So I'm yeah. riding jet skis, yeah. and I'm hanging out with, you know, racing, doing pretty good. Right. But as a jet skier, you had to be fit. You know, your fitness was a main part of jet skiing. Right. So I see Toby Henderson, and I'm like, pull over. He's got the Iron Horse van. Right. So I know he's racing mountain bikes. I know, like, Brian Lopes is doing mountain bikes. Yeah. And Carter and Coley and... All these guys are doing mountain bikes. And this yeah. is now we're into the 90s. Yeah. BMX is still booming. I remember going to watch them. What was it? The Pioneer Monster Cross thing that they used yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GT Series. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, I can yeah. remember like, you know, I'd yeah. go to like a local yeah. national and I'd yeah. see all these guys, you know, Charles Townsend and all these guys are still doing BMX. I right. mean, Lopes is doing mountain and BMX. Yeah, I remember Coley well, and yeah. King and Carter and, you know, Townsend and Purse and all these guys. Mm. I was like, man, this is, BMX is awesome. So Toby has his, like, bitchin' mountain bike. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this thing's sick. Mm -hmm. So he's like, dude, you know, you should start riding mountain bikes again. I'm like, well, I need to get fitter for jet ski racing. I need mm -hmm. to build my stamina. I can sprint like nobody's business, but I didn't have the fitness. So we start riding mountain bikes. Mm -hmm. So I hook up with my boy, Dennis Kishiyama, who works at GT Rightway. Mm -hmm. And he sells me, like, an employee deal on a GT Kiracore mountain bike in about 96, 97. So a buddy of mine is a mountain biker. So I kind of, like trick out my mountain bike i get the onza tires the freaking porcupines and the answer stem and do some stuff and we go mountain bike riding so i'm like oh i'm gonna kill this i'm a bmx right okay. well, he was a kind of a cross-country <laughs> mountain biker right not a downhiller but right. that's kind of what i wanted to do yeah so we got right aliso viejo or some trail and i puke i hit like i suck this right. like f this i'm not mountain biking's terrible i don't want to do this right but anyway so I ended up, another buddy, we hook up, and we start doing, you know, some gradual mountain bike rides. And we right. start riding some distance. So I start building some stamina and fitness now. Mm -hmm. So now I'm doing jet skiing. I built some fitness. I'm definitely improved racing. I moved to the expert class on a jet ski. Um, doing it myself, 540, 440 and 550s I'm racing. 750s come over. I'm still hanging out with, I meet Slasher. And actually come down here, go jet skiing with him at Oceanside and going to Havasu, Body Beach, Jet Ski. Victor and, was like the number one guy, right? He was, him and yeah. Jeff Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, were pretty much right. the, the, they're, you know, the, the Greg Hills, two Thompson of that right. sport. Yeah. Um, Slasher was amazing. Um, and he had an amazing riding style. And he still does. He still rips. But he was super fit, obviously. So I got some fitness. I started racing really good. But I'm really drawn back to this mountain bike thing. So Toby says, dude, you should go to Fontana and race mountain bikes. Right. I was like, oh, they were racing back then as well. So oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, this yeah. is like, you know, two, maybe, was it, this is like 97 now, 98-ish, maybe 90, I don't exactly remember. So I go out to Fontucky and I race my first downhill race. Mm -hmm. I race like, there was a beginner class, maybe an intermediate and like an expert. So I jump right into intermediate and I got like third place. Mm. So I ended up racing this entire series and ended up, I think, getting third place, which was a big series back then. So now we're going to Big Bear, and I'm really becoming like a downhiller. Right. Like, this is cool. You know, and obviously, you know, Lopes and Carter and Coley and these guys, I keep referring to them, but that's where they're going. Yeah. You know, so we see this whole mountain bike, Mike King. I mean, yeah. it was awesome, Dale. Mm -hmm. And then I do mountain bikes. Right. So it was awesome, and I'm racing mountain bikes. And that's when Norba was huge, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, you know, Nor yeah, Norba. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of how I got into mountain bikes. And then, you know, I had BMX skill. Then 
I did some dual swallow. Right. So now, like, it's kind of like, okay, well, you need s skill. So right before I got married, I ended up buying a BMX Schwinn race bike. Right. You know, like, Brian Foster was cool, and, you know, like, that bike's rad. So, I yeah. bought, so now I got a mountain bike. I go to or I start going to Orange Y again. Mm -hmm. And I start riding because I want to get, you know, do some dual swallow and yeah. BMX helps your downhill skill. And yeah. so I'm kind of back on BMX, but I'm still doing mountain bike. I'm working. I'm engaged. I'm getting married. Uh -huh. Life's good. You yeah, know? yeah. That's kind of where I was going. And then when, when did it come about getting a, a bike shop and uh, getting so, into the, the industry and stuff? Kind of moving forward, I'm... You know, riding mountain bikes, I'm doing cross country. I actually got a road bike because I wanted to get fitter. I'm over jet skiing because the sport went a different direction and it really became a sit down sport and that really hurt that sport. Um, I ended up working for Arizona. I went to New York on 9-11, so kind of ironic, here we are the day after 9-11. Oh, wow, yeah. I flew to New York. I used to work for Arizona at the time, mm -hmm. corporate America. I was a vice president of sales and marketing for the Western region. And I had to go there once a month for meetings. I hop on a plane on the night of nine, you know, nine ten. I fly to New York on a red eye because I would I lose a day because of the travel time. Mm -hmm. I elected to start doing red eyes because I just had a freshly newborn baby. Mm -hmm. And here I am, nine eleven. I land as planes are smashing the World wow. Trade Center. I saw stuff that I, you know, it's just it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And actually, we're working on a, a biography documentary on myself with another video guy that's going to document the whole story. Oh wow! But that'll be another another issue. But so anyway, so here I am, New York, nine eleven. The world's coming to an end. Um, I have to still sit in meetings. The owner of the company, Mr. Voltaggio, he's a cabillionaire. We go to his house. I can look out of his window and I can see the trade centers in ash, in dust. Wow. Not a lot of the team was able to make it. He had like five or six VPs, and then he had other people he used to send to these meetings. So we'd have about 20 people. So only about seven of us made it due to 9-11. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get home. I don't know anything. And I'm sitting there, and I was like, well, why don't we just throw some numbers on the board? Now, I'm at his house, which is worth $40 million. Oh, wow. Billy Joel offered him $40 million for his house. I mean, money's no issue. Right. I'm sitting on his third story, and I'm, I can see the trade centers out of his windows of his uh -huh. house. I see the bay, and we're talking about Arizona numbers. Talk about corporate America. I'm getting destroyed because I'm down 7% in Arizona numbers. I don't know how I'm going to get home. Right. I don't know if I'm going to live. Mm -hmm. I'm 3,000 miles away from my home. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So at that point, Dale, I'm like, I'm over this freaking job. Yeah. Like, I've been there 10 years now, 8 or 9 years, and like, I'm miserable. So... I realized, and that was a huge changing point in my life, because as you know, when bad things happen, good things happen. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 9-11 was very bad. But for me, a lot of good things happened. I discovered who I was, how I wanted to be, and what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I was miserable. So my outlet for that time was just riding a bike. Yeah. And I rode my mountain bike. I rode my road bike. I just wanted to ride bikes. And I'm like, I need to get out. I need to get out. Um, what am I going to do? Long story short, I ended up hooking up with a guy that owned Fullerton Bikes, he was on his way out. His nephew was going to take it over. There was some turmoil there. So I just said to him one day, like, hey, man, but sell me the bike shop. I'll buy it from you. So we go to lunch and we start talking about it. Well, here we are, you know, basically 18 years later, I bought Fullerton Bikes. Bought Fullerton Bikes in 2003. And then a year and a half later, he sold me his second location, Buena Park, because he retired. Right. So that's kind of how he ended up owning a business. I was over Arizona. I gave notice, took another job. Worked there for a year and then networked and bought Fullerton Bikes. And 18 years since? Yes, 18 years. Wow. So 
now, you know, let's, I have a family, I have kids, I own a bike shop. Um, I know BMX, I know mountain bikes. So I'm like, all right, let's, yeah. you know, let's kind of start a BMX race team. Right. Take my son, you know, who Brent, who's likes bikes. Cause I gave him a bike when he was two years old, couldn't pedal the damn thing, but you know, that's what we do. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah. we love. I didn't love football or soccer. I didn't give him a football. So Brent became a bike rider. Right. My daughter rode bikes. We all, it was a family affair. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right. Let's go to this track. And I remember seeing the Fullerton bike team, uh, bike shop team. I mean, that's when I when I came here in the night. You know, then well, we would have been the two thousands. Yeah. Always see riders around because it was County kind of stuff. towards yeah. your yeah. ending of your professional career. Yeah, I yeah. Recall, I remember your world champion. And actually, I remember going to Sheep Hills a few years before that, and they were doing a GT photo shoot. Right. And I remember you had just won your world championship, and I think you had world champion stripes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, long gone Tattoo. now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah blacked out now. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. that's still home. I mean, right. I, I knew who you, and you were like, you know, from England, you were like a world champion. Right. That was yes. kind of our first. Yeah. You know, and and I, think, I remember seeing your orange a little bit as well. You yeah, know? so I'd yeah. go to orange, and I saw my son was starting to ride. And, yeah. You know, like every old fat old washed up BMX has been. I'm like, I'll start racing BMX again with right. Buckle and all of us old yeah. guys in the 35. Because Barry played for a long time. As well, yeah, yeah, Barry yeah. raced for me. Yeah. I mean, we were great friends. We mm. grew up at Orange Y, yeah. you know, and all these friends, you know. And so you go to Orange Y, and then there's still people racing that, like, I used to race. So that was pretty cool, you know. So that's mm. kind of how Fullerton Bikes got started. We started doing BMX. We're going to the races. And I think the BMX scene was, at that time, was, was pretty good. Oh, yeah. You know, you get there, and I remember they'd have pro practice a half hour early, and there'd be, like, yourself and Christian and, you know, uh, Oh, Javier Colombo and uh, Tyler Brown and you know Mike Day would show up and right. you know, Bubba Harris if he was in town and, yes. and I thought that was a really good time of the sport mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. it was really good I think Orange Y was getting you know 35 motos on a Wednesday night yeah so my son's racing the five and under novice or intermediate class and there's like freaking 20 kids dale racing yeah. wow like they had semis on a on a local night you yeah know? And i thought it was it was really good you mm -hmm. know and that's when for me bmx as a business owner kind of became like this is good mm. so you know i'm like all right my son was on like this stock piece of crap gt out of the box bike and i don't mean but it was just a basic bike right so now i'm like all right how do i make his bike trick right. you know like let me figure this out so i start you know learning about how to build custom bmx bikes and because everything, all the companies that I grew up with, the Hutch, the JMC, you know, Powerlight, Pedal Power, Elf, all these companies are gone. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new breed of companies. Yeah, you know, yeah. You got Krupy, you got Redmond, you've got Supercross, um, you know, then you got your like KHS, Free Agent, KHS, mm -hmm. Redline, GT, and a few other companies. So now, you know, I'm like starting to build some custom bikes and making them light and custom titanium spokes and carbon fiber you know answer fork and answer bar and mm -hmm. the little short cranks and making you know 10 8 pound bmx bikes so now fullerton bikes is kind of becoming this like staple in bmx like people are coming to me to build bikes the only guy that was really the only other bike shop that really existed was you know bike alley ruben yeah. ruben and yeah. ruben did a great job because the track was right there yeah so nothing against ruben but Ruben and I, I think, have a lot of respect for each other, but I wasn't his favorite person because I started stealing business from Ruben. Right. I think Ruben just wanted to sell a race bike, put a fork on it, and go. Yeah. And that's fine, mm. but I wanted to make the trickest bikes out there. Right. So I had people coming from all over the place, and I'm building custom bikes and titanium spindles, and I was making them as trick as I could 
I bet you I built over 100 custom BMX race bikes in two or three years. Wow. I think I even got in uh, ABA Magazine, Pole, or whatever it's called. I was like the top 17 bike shop in the history of BMX. Wow, that's really bikes was, Which is cool. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I remember, I even know it, and somebody came in my shop and goes, hey, do you see this? I was like, well, thanks for telling me, ABA. Right. You know, right. like, seriously, the picture of my shop you put up is, is was from 2001. I mean, right. anyway, no, no, that's another story. So... You know, that's where Fullerton Bikes really started becoming, um, you know, a BMX shop. And we were a big giant dealer. We were doing mountain bikes. And in BMX, we had like a whole dedicated section of just race. So if you were a dad, Dale, you could come to me and I could custom build you mm -hmm. a bike off the wall. You want croupy hubs. You want answer profile cranks. You had everything there. Everything ready to there. go. I could build a bike in two days and deliver it. Wow. I had everything there. We were three to $400,000 in BMX business alone. Wow. Then... We, you know, we sort of doing BMX race, and I know the categories were separate, and then mm -hmm. we're doing, you know, the dirt jump freestyle, mm -hmm. which a lot of racers did both. Yeah, I was S and M Chris Moller's number one brick and mortar store in America. Wow, I sold more Fit and S and M stuff outside of Dance Comp and the mail order. I was his number three in the USA. That's awesome. Yeah. Today, I'm probably his number three hundred. I don't even exist. So let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> and uh, oh, did you, let's maybe talk about the, yeah let's talk about that then we'll get into the mountain bike more and yeah. talk, I definitely want to talk about the, the mountain bike stuff and, and stuff that you're still involved with now but so obviously that's, that's a lot different now isn't it so when the internet came in and yeah I mean, you know I mean the internet was big and dance comp and I think they're out of business is that correct you know I still don't know yeah yeah it's, <laughs> nobody it's really, knows yeah, nobody knows let's yeah, call Toby yeah. and see if he's got an open yeah, AR right you know? right yeah, box yeah. yeah it's very yeah so you know it's so so, you know, we're doing BMX, and I got 30 guys out there. We got teams, and, you know, it's great. Mm -hmm. And I'm racing, and Buckles racing, and we're winning team sheets. And, you know, Belfar BMX has a good team. The Belfar track's going. Orange Y still, you know, things are doing good. Mm -hmm. And I just think it happened as my son grew through the sport. My daughter checked out, but my son was still racing. Mm -hmm. So now Brent's 10, 11, mm -hmm. 9, 10, 11. I don't even remember the exact age. And we're going to Orange Y, and it's a points race. It's 11 experts points race. And it's like you still get a trophy and you get last. Mm -hmm. And I could tell he was getting burned out. Yeah. So, you know, we're still doing a lot of BMX. The freestyle thing's good. But I kind of see that getting ready to hit the wall as well. And I'll touch base on that because I think it's a sensitive subject. So I'm starting to see the parents that started off at 7, 8, 9, kind of their kids are getting up there. They're kind of done with racing because it's getting smaller and then it's either you're super fast and an expert and you race at national level or you go to the Orange Y and you race at intermediate and you chase a state plate. Mm -hmm. At the expert level locally now, all those kids, it was practice. But then to go to a national, how much does that cost you? And then you travel and chase this nag point. And mm -hmm. if you know, you've chased a nag point, it's probably 15 to 30 grand a year depending on how where you go to race. Yes. So not a lot of parents can afford that. We chased the nag plate with my son and my daughter and... We were successful, kind of, but we were no nag one. So now he's kind of like, eh, this is, you know, kind of having fun. And if you didn't get a good gate start in a points race, they just coast. I'm like, this isn't racing. Um, then he starts kind of doing the dirt jump thing with some other kids. So one day I have a dad come up to me, you know, and, and we're parents. And he's like, Mike, I'm scared. I'm like, what's up? Why are you scared, Greg? Well, you know, my kid's doing BMX, he's dirt jumping, and he's kind of following, you know, like the videos are getting real big with fit. But a lot of these videos aren't promoting dirt jumping and, and skate park riding as 
I wanted to see as a parent. Right. You know, a lot of these writers, I'm not going to mention names, you know, they start, we have Facebooks now available, Instagram, you know, and these videos that these guys are putting out, it's about kind of like riding bikes, smoking pot, doing vape, and just like partying. Right. So he's like, my kid's 12 years old, and he follows and emulates these writers. This isn't what BMX was when we grew up. Uh -huh. We emulate uh -huh. Stu Thompson and Greg and Brent and Brian, and these guys were athletes, and they were, you know, sure they were humans, but it's a whole different era now. Mm -hmm. So I had a conversation with an owner of a very big bike company, like, you know, we gotta change our marketing. His response back to me was, well, that's my captive audience. Well, that's your captive audience you're collecting, but what are you losing? Mm -hmm. Like, this is not good for the sport. And it's kind of like that whole time frame, the whole sport kind of took a downturn, I think. Right. I mean, am I correct? That time frame in the mid 2000s-ish, 2008, 2010 ish it kind of took a downturn. Yeah, it started to go down a little bit. You know, I think everybody was hoping that the, the 08, I'm speaking more US, I know different countries, different opinions and, and, and different things. But I think after the, everybody was expecting after the 08 Olympics, it was really going to elevate again, you know, right. or, or take another. So here's, um, here's a, you know, and we're off the subject of Mike and BMX and stuff, but was the Olympics the best thing that could have happened to BMX or was it the worst thing? Yeah, well, again, it depends <laughs> what, what, what country. I don't. Obviously, it's not really helped anything in the U.S. You know, there's certain countries where people will say it, it did, and, right. and, and it's provided. You know, with the national teams funding for riders to travel and stuff, and obviously facilities training and stuff. But yeah, I think U.S. It, no, it's right. not. You know, so, so let's just you know. So that's me. My son is. We'll get into the mountain bike scene. He's kind of done with BMX. I remember I go to Chula Vista for one of those, you know, Supercross events. Right. And the pro scene's good because everybody wants to become an Olympian. Right. And I can remember there's, you know, all these world guys and you've got, you know, Corbin Sherrard and Connor Fields and Nick Long and Kyle Bennett and Donnie Robinson and Greg Romero. All the, I mean, all these pros and I'm like, this is like going to elevate the sport. And mm -hmm. I'm watching these guys come down that first hill and they're jumping 30, 40 feet mm -hmm. at eight, I mean, this is gnarly, dude. Yeah, yeah. And it was really exciting to see that, you know. But then you see a guy like Travis Arasta get carted off on a stretcher with no insurance, no factory sponsorship. You know, what was he making? You know, a couple hundred bucks a month? Yeah. You know, I'm sponsoring uh, Kyle Cushman and I'm sponsoring, um, who was the other? Uh, Matt Tischler. Okay, yeah, So yeah, those yeah. guys are riding for me, you right. know, and I kind of pay for some entry fees and give them a little bit of traveling money. Yeah, Cushman, he was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kyle yeah. was amazing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like these guys are like, I'm not racing that. I don't get paid enough. But yet you got guys risking their life, breaking their necks out there for nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and so let's go back, you know, back to the, and I hate to keep going back to the 80s and 90s, but I can remember Greg Hill, Pete Longkarevich, Toby Henderson driving nice cars, Porsches, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked, Connor Fields and Corbin Sherrard drive just normal cars. They don't have a Porsche. They all own houses. You know, they made good money. Mm -hmm. I watched Pete Lankarevich win $10,000 at one race at Irvine, mm -hmm. World Championships, or whatever race it was, US. Yeah, Irvine World Cup. Yeah, 10,000 bucks, dude. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you saw a AA Pro or Elite Pro win 10 grand? You've got, in, in, in the US, I've said this before in podcasts, you've got, you know, Connor, you know, uh, Joris, you know, the Chase guys. Right. You know, the horror, uh, Nick Long, Brooke. Um, at least post there's a handful of people that probably still make a pretty good sure. healthy living but then the drop off after that is pretty right yeah, it, just, it falls yeah. off yeah. so you know that's where you know the sport really started taking a turn in my right. opinion for the south and all I can remember is being at Orange Y or Bellflower and everybody complaining oh, I can't believe there's so many nationals so many nationals back then Friday night was a double points race right yeah Saturday was you know back in the old days BMX it was a two day it was a one day national right Saturday was qualifying 
Sun, like the Grands. And Sunday was, you know, semis and quarters and mains. Right. Then they figured out a way to run two motos and get all these people racing a national on Friday or Saturday. All these people racing a national on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, more motos, more money. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's the company. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. But anyway, we were done with BMX and we were over it. So that's when we kind of got the whole mountain bike thing going. Let's but, take a quick pause there. Um, and come back in a second. Just kind of easing into some mat- more of the mountain bike stuff then. So you started bringing mountain bikes into the store as well then? Yeah, so at that time, you know, the shop, you know, I'm seeing that as a business owner, and I'm an idiot, but I could see, you know, BMX starting to die. So my presence at the track, you know, isn't as big as it used to be, but I still have a team. And BMX is, you know, it's, it's still kind of popping around. My son's kind of over it, but yet we're still kind of, you know, doing it. So. As we do the BMX thing and we see this dwindle, I'm seeing sales start to dwindle. We went from Christmas time selling, you know, and this is race bikes and the dirt freestyle stuff, you know, like 200 bikes for Christmas, okay? So now this number is starting to dwindle and this is maybe 2010-ish, 2013-ish in those time frames, okay? So BMX is dwindling. Um, I hear about, you know, I'm kind of riding mountain bikes a little bit with my buddies. My son doesn't really want to do BMX anymore. I get it, but I'm kind of bummed. So then I go like, all right, let's check out like this mountain bike scene thing. So a customer comes in and tells me about this race series over the hump. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, you should go out there. So my Brent was 11 years old. And I'm like, hey, Brent, you want to go try a mountain? And he's got a little mountain bike now. Billy Griggs built it for him. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of funny talking about, you know, famous guys in the sport who's still yes. racing today you know another guy that did very well in the sport financially good for billy um we go and we go there and i saw my brent up under it's an 1800 class he's a little kid and he kills it he gets like third place in this race and he's stoked like this is rad this is fun you know all right cool mm-hmm. so next thing you know we know we're doing this so now i'm like all right let me shift this bmx energy into this mountain bike thing and we still were a mountain bike shop, but now I'm like really kind of like going to start diving in. Yeah. And take that whole mentality. Let's start get some guys with some kits. Yeah. Build a little bit of a team. Yeah. Get guys going out there. Meanwhile, I'm not the only dad that's doing this because half the dads at Orange Y are in the same position that I'm in. Like mm-hmm. we're kind of over this. Ruben's doing Ruben. Whatever. You know, I mean, it was a business. I get it. And that's how he ran it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go to Orange Y and it's kind of getting dirty. There's a lot of weeds. Just, I don't know. Just... Things were kind of falling apart a little bit. Don't have that many tracks, you know, so if you want to go to another track. So now this mountain bike thing is going good. And there's other BMX dads there. And they're racing mountain bikes now. So, you know, we start going through this mountain bike scene. And there's a lot of, starting to get a lot, of, a lot of kids there. So I kind of see this whole thing transforming, you know, from the BMX. And I'm looking at this mountain bike, kind of like the grassroots of BMX back when I grew up. You know, yeah. riding a bike. Same and, kind of vibe. You know, it was really cool. Obviously, remember you were out there, Dale. Yeah, yeah, race, yeah, and that was yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, I know this. You're a world champion. What are you doing, Dale? Right. I mean, it was great. But you remember that vibe? It was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still look, even though I haven't done it for you know five, you know, since I had my daughter. Something I definitely want to get back into as well. The scene was like on a Tuesday night over the hump. I mean, like you're you're still involved, and you go. Right. It's like a BMX national. It was, it was huge. So now know? let's you know you go there. So now this is where you know it gets kind of complicated, and this is where I'm going to call out USA Cycling, like. We go, because Orange County, remember Orange County is the grassroots of BMX. Yeah, yeah, the hub. It's done. It's done, you know. There's no Orange Y, you know, 
ABA's high-fiving because Connor Fields wins the Olympics, and I get that. That's amazing. What a feat. USA. And we should have. We started BMX. Yeah, okay? yeah, absolutely, yeah. But yet, the next weekend, they're freaking bulldozering the Orange YMCA. Yeah. That's going to really hurt for you being like oh a my full God. So now, local. you know, BMX business is pretty much over with, especially the race side of things. Mm. Freestyle's dying off. You know, I don't care what anybody says. It's dying. I know the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not what it used to be. And now we see this whole thing with this mountain bike thing. So now... There's this thing called, my son now is a freshman in high school. It's called NICA. It's called High School Mountain Bike Racing League. Mm -hmm. So all these kids from all over the freaking Southern California are racing mountain bikes. So we're doing kind of over the hump. We're doing some other little mountain is bike Nike stuff. Is NICA every week or like just- No, so NICA's, uh, NICA's uh, it's it's during like February through May. Okay. They do like about four or five races or the, the couple breaks. So I go to Lake Paris Kind of, it's right there where Redmond's track is. Mm -hmm. And we go to this mountain bike race. So now I'm kind of thinking like, all right, you know, there's going to be a few kids here. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't really know what I'm thinking. It blows me away. My head falls off. There's easy ups. This reminds me of freaking Grass Valley in BMX in 1980. You know, 2,600 kids, whatever the number. It was gnarly, Dale. And there's 60 kids in the freshman class. And they have three divisions. So there's 180 freshman kids racing mountain bikes wow. cross country. Like, this is blowing up. This is NICA. Yeah. So now, you know, this is a huge part. USA Cycling, not the USA BMX, USA Cycling, when we go to the national or the big races, the biggest classes are all these junior kids, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know. When and, they, it, and they're all, um, they're coming from the schools, right? The colleges? NICA, yeah, NICA, right. which is National Interscholastic Association or something. Right. So you see this whole thing going, and I see all these kids, and, you know, they're buying bikes, and they're training, and there's teams in high school. It's it's like going to the ABA Grands at a local high school SoCal mountain bike race. Mm -hmm. So here's, do some numbers. Didn't ABA or USA BMX just do a national, like, here, like, in Southern California? It was NorCal a couple of weeks ago, yeah. yeah and I heard there yeah. was like 150 motos? I think it was 180, something, okay. something like that. Whatever yeah, the number yeah, is. Yeah, smaller okay. than obviously than the what everyone's used to, you know. Okay, so let's really break it down. There's, you know, there's the class, and there's a bunch of classes now. There's guys that's 70 years old racing. Yeah. You got open, you got mixed open, you got mm -hmm. cruiser. Yeah. So how many riders were there? You know, yeah. let's say it's 150 riders and you get five riders per, per moto average. I mean, 500, 600 people maybe, but they mm -hmm. multiply it three days. Yeah. High school, National high school finals into Hatchapi. There's f freshman class, sophomore class, JV and varsity. There was 1,200 kids. Wow. 1,200. Wow. Over the hump, which is the mountain bike scene here locally, they do kids' nights now. Right. Where they kind of really focus on the kids. There's 300 kids on a Tuesday night racing mountain bikes, Dale. 300 and a lot of the industry there are like setting up aren't they you know yeah, I, I, toby's I, there yeah, yeah, you got yeah. troy lee you got yeah. fox you got giant you got specialized yeah and are, are those guys still involved with bmx no i don't think so no. no pretty sad and you got the same down here with we you know we spoke about him earlier victor with quick and dirty and i yeah. i haven't i haven't then i i raced quick and dirty you know uh five six years ago and i still look you know check it out right. i went to right. watch one about a month ago and i can see how that's grown as well yeah. it continues to so, grow you know Right, it's growing because it's kids on bikes, and you know we and things will never go back to the '80s or '90s. I get that USA Cycling, mm -hmm. I get that, mm -hmm. I understand that. We can't go back, but I think we're going in a direction we don't need to go. 
Right. Cycling's healthy. So why doesn't USA BMX start talking and doing a NICA deal? Mm -hmm. You know, talk to NICA. Mm -hmm. Let's put on a, a, a four-race series. We still have some tracks. They'll travel. I mean, what's Donnie Robinson doing? Isn't he trying to get some that stuff like that going? Yeah, he's doing the, the beginner league. And, right. And um, I, I don't know what the, uh, the the numbers are, but when I do see Donnie post, they always say, right. like, you know, we've got 50 kids here right. and 60 right. kids there. So it seems like you know? he's getting so, them through the door. So yeah. maybe USA Cycling hires Donnie and mm -hmm. have him the NICA no, director. Well, I think he is hired by USA BMX already, but no, I should definitely somehow right. I mean, with that NICA would that be? I mean, anyway, there, there's the possibility. So, yeah. you know, here's mountain biking and, you know, I get we're not going to go back to the way it used to be, but I think right now the whole state of BMX, me as a business owner, I don't sell anything. I'm a bike mm. shop. I sell everything almost but BMX. I sell beach cruisers. I sell mountain bikes. I sell road bikes. I sell comfort bikes. And yeah, we sell a few BMX bikes. Right. You know, The industry reported like a 10% growth last year, I think it was. That's good. But why doesn't Trek Giant specialize? The big, big, big companies do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. There's no numbers there for them. No. Doesn't make sense as a business. Mm -hmm. So, what if USA Cycling called a meeting and got those guys and said, "We got to grow this sport again. We got to start them and grass feed them like GT used to do." Yes. And you know, those guys that wrote, you know, that was Rich Long's deal. You buy a GT, you start in your BMX, you do a mountain, you do a road, whatever. You we grass feed them. Yeah. Free agent. You know, KHS, they used mm -hmm. to make every type of bike. Yeah, yeah. They still make BMX bikes, race yeah. bikes. Well, same ones, but yes. Yeah, kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah big deal. Yeah, they sell 20 yeah, a year. Yeah, it's, right, it's yeah, sad. Yeah. I mean, you rode for KHS. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, Great yeah. company. The, yeah. guy, the guy lost money. I guarantee you, when the owner of KHS yeah. lost money on he, BMX. He did BMX for the, for, for the passion and for his history. And, and, and uh, try to grow yeah, the, yeah. the cycling. Yeah. So, you know, is Nike an answer? I don't know. But somebody should follow. Maybe they did. I don't, I don't know, you know. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I look at, USA Cycling, and I'm not here to crumb on them because it is a business, is they have two I look at my business in a, in a unique way. A, my business needs to profit. Mm -hmm. I need to support my family. I need to support my kids. I need to support my employees. I have to turn a profit, as every business does. Right. But then there's step two. If you own a business and you're involved in a specific type of business, like we're community driven, BMX is for fun. It is a profession, people make money, but yet they wanna grow that. So me as a bike shop owner, I can look at it two ways. I can just open my doors and sell bikes and call it a day and be good with it. Right. Or I can dive in and really put an effort into making it better for the community. Right. Okay? I have to do both. If I do both, both will grow. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I don't see USA BMX doing that. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. Shannon can kick me or hit me. You know, although I don't care. Right. But I know for a fact when they bulldozed Orange Y, they had a meeting at the Anaheim Pond to discuss with the Irvine Company, who's the, you know one of the most richest companies in California or maybe the United States. They want to put a BMX track in one of their parks. Where in the freak was USA BMX? They weren't even there to present it. What do they have there to present it? A bunch of dads crying because we don't have a BMX track for Johnny. USA BMX could have came in and presented like, this is an Olympic sport, here's the PowerPoint, here's what the sport is, yes. here's the history. My buddy works for the Irvine company. He was at the meeting. He said it was an embarrassment. Oh, wow. So here at Orange Y, one of the most world-recognized BMX tracks ever, gone. And we got nothing there. Yeah, it's, especially after you just reeling off at the start of the podcast, all those tracks and, uh, you know, the scene that, yeah, I mean, that's why I came. I, I, I read about you guys and, and um, 
yeah, it was just just history. And then you know, I, you added on more than what I didn't even know all those tracks yeah. and events. And, oh my gosh! And but stuff and to, to be nothing left is is yeah, it's nothing. Very, very sad. I, I went to Huntington Beach um, a couple of weeks ago. And you know, I still have. When I lived there, it was in the '90s, when it was, you know, it was still big and healthy. What, uh, what was that house called? Uh, Pods, well, Pros of West, or Pods of Yeah, and then there was the Huntington Beach house, and and I kind of came in a little bit around, you know, after the POW house, but I did visit there. But every time I go to Huntington Beach, obviously you got flashbacks, and you remember doing sprints on the beach with ten of the double A's, and right. all cruising down to Sheep, and everybody having lunch together, and 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 now it's yeah, it's it's even though I still love Huntington Beach, it's very right. sad, you yeah, know, it's yeah. it's uh, that that the scene is. Right. Um, so so different, you know. Or what if you know? And I, like I said, so obviously let's look at USA BMX. They know what they're doing as far as maybe running a business. They're mm-hmm. profitable. They got it figured out. They're a machine. We can build a track and a stadium in Wyoming for you know whatever it costs. And if you want to race and chase this nag, you hop on a plane and you fly there. But if there's no grassroots, how we you know, you're going to develop a rider at national? You're going to develop Michael Jordan at the NBA level? Right, just yeah. feed him. To, you know, you're out of high school, go play basketball with Jordan. No. You need a grassroots program. Nike mm-hmm. is developing a grassroots program. Mm-hmm. Some of our most famous guys, like potential riders, Christopher Blevins, he was a BMX racer. Yeah, I listened to some, some He is going to be him, one of the yeah. greatest mountain bikers the United States has ever seen. Right. Where do you start BMX? Hey, USA Cycling, let's promote Christopher Blevins. Let's do an interview with him. Yeah. You know, let's do a podcast. I don't know. Yeah. How come when a race is over, USA BMX, they should have somebody mm. making a video yeah, yeah, and yeah. doing an edit and showing highlights and putting it on their Instagram yeah. for five minutes or their YouTube? channel mm-hmm. make it a recap i mean constantly all through race feeding weekend it, i i, we I say it there should be there should be live feeds and interviews and in the pits and uh, media and i'm sure right. when some of the guys listen i want to this, see what connor field eats for lunch yeah, i want to see yeah, more yeah. i want to see behind the scenes yes. that's what draws us in yeah you got to draw us oh, in I totally agree you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. when you watch the olympics we watch the olympics for the stories of the athletes yes, you know absolutely. michael phelps's troubles and this guy you know lost his mother and he had a tra- traumatic car accident those Ooh. are the stories yes. you know Supercross, same thing. Here's an idea. Mm. You know, back when we raced BMX, they used to hold races at like, you know, like the NBA or the sports arenas and stuff indoor. I get it. Why don't we put a track in the parking lot of Anaheim Stadium? Yeah. During Supercross. Yeah. All that traffic walking through there. And they don't have to have, you know, 11 novice and 12. Maybe they only do two classes. I don't know. Right. But isn't that where BMX started? We emulated the motorcycle. Yeah. So we've lost that. Mm -hmm. How can we develop a program with no grassroots? Mm-hmm. And even maybe trying to piggyback some of these mountain bike events, you know, like you say, it's uh, over there, the hump. I, I think or, the opportunity is there. Yeah. The yeah. question is, I can't do it. You can't do it. No. I mean, that's what they get paid for to do. So me as a business owner, I talk mm. about community. Right. So I can, like I said, open my doors and just sell bikes every day and, and I'd be good. But I want more. I want to support the community. Yeah. I want the community to respect Mike and right. respect Fullerton Bikes. Mm-hmm. So why do I have a team and go to the races? That costs money. Kits mm-hmm. cost money. Paying for entry, you know, all that stuff costs money and time. Yeah. Going over the hump every Tuesday night. That's four hours of my day. Mm-hmm. You know, but I want to be a part of the community. Is USA Cycling doing that? Are they no. outreaching to the community? No. I don't have an answer, but I think I know what it is. Yeah. God bless them for being profitable and running a decent business mm. and, and paying everybody what they do and doing what they do. But when the NBL disappeared, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Flex your, you know, flex your muscles. Yeah. Is there- and, on, and on top of what you do as well, Mark, I always think it's cool when people buy bikes. You you guys do like a little profile. You take yeah. a picture and you see obviously a lot of our friends and, you know, I saw Javier Colombo and yeah, uh, just you know, people right, like that Mike Weatherford in. and, yeah. you know, uh, what, uh, the Bittner and all these yeah, guys. Yeah, I, I mean, see them all. Right. You always do a picture. So this is what someone's just picking up his new right, bike, you right. know, and I think it's cool, you know. So I have a really good relationship with, you know, Corey Cook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Corey's a good rider. And he is just the guy that disappeared. Yeah, Disapp- I mean, yeah, yeah, they just disappear. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
But and and when they, he disappeared, there was nothing. It was over. Right. Like there was nobody said it. Like it's just. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very just, sad. It's it? sad. Yeah. I mean, look at Stumpy. When Stumpy yeah. finished, and he won the title. I yeah. Mean, he shouldn't have won it, but he did. And Greg mm. Hill was training him, and I, it was awesome. And yeah. Then, boom, he's done. You know, where is Gary? Um, the lumberjack. Yeah. You know, like the ABA should pull him out of the archives and do a story on Gary. And yes. you know, he's made a living. And Lance Armstrong started on a BMX bike. I yeah, mean, yeah. Say what you want, but like, they're missing that marketing opportunity. Yeah. They're missing the fact that Christopher Blevins raced BMX. He's making a big chunk of chain riding mountain bikes. So like, that should be tied in together. Right. Maybe you end with BMX at twelve, but you can go to. It's they should tie it together, Dale. Yeah, yeah. And it's, no, I agree. Totally agree. As a business owner, you yeah. know. God bless them. They're successful, and I don't know their P and A, and I don't care. But I know they're making money. Mm -hmm. But are they really developing the sport like they should be, and they could be? Yeah, I think they're really hurting in the, the promotions and, and and marketing. And and again, it's not a, a knock at those guys, but that you, you have to bring new people in that understand social media yes. and, and and that are savvy and and just get little. Like I say you literally got to be in an event. I mean, you know, I watched the mountain bike stuff. I watched the mountain bike worlds, and I I wanted to look again last night, even though I looked at the sure. time. I wanted to like who won cross country. I know it was Nino. Uh, yes, you know, I, I wanted to go look at the. Uh, I wanted to go and pink back to look at the results. I had to scroll through probably five or six pages of stuff since then, what's been posted, yes. news, because it's constantly interviews, right. bike tests, wind TV, you know, just constantly cool it's all, stuff. It's all tied together. All mountain bike stuff, another World Cup since the Worlds, you know, right. and, and, and just constant media. We don't even have media, you know, again, and, and, and respect to him for, for what Mike Carruth does at BMX News, and I said this on Mike's another thread, does a great thing, and at the 15... Guy, I don't know. You probably don't follow it as much. He, he does. He follows uh, a guy in Ireland. Does uh, uh, he follows all the World Cup stuff, and he, he does a good job documenting. But there's no real BMX race media. You know, it's like Transworld. Transworld uh, um, uh, shut its shut its doors a few right. months ago. But those guys straight away they vote in freestyle. There's our BMX now, which was was a lot of those guys went over and started. There's a whole new pumping out freestyle media now. You know, right? And, and but. BMX race, it, yeah. it's very I mean, sad. There's, there's not even a website barely to look at in the morning when you wake up, you know? <laughs> that is sad because, mm -hmm. you know, when we were kids, back to our earlier conversation, we waited for BMX action, and that was mm -hmm. just what we lived for. Mm -hmm. Our BMX Plus, and super, even Super BMX. We had three publications. Today, you know, yeah, like, you want to go to your phone and be able to know exactly what's happening. Like, it took me a long time to figure out, like, who won a couple BMX races. Yeah. And, like, why weren't we... Connor Fields won this race, and I should know that by, you know... It, I didn't figure it out until he did his own freaking recap. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. You literally got to go to the riders. Right. Individually on the sponsors, right. which is a lot, lot of work when right. you're just you know, going to one, one source yeah. and getting and all that information, you the know? the Worlds... So, by mistake, I was watching a road race or a mountain bike race. Then NBC Sports had the Worlds on. But, like, if I didn't... Like, I love watching cycling on TV. Right. Dude, if I didn't turn that channel yeah. on... Well, you probably did what I did. I actually turned it on to watch the last day of the Tour de France that Sunday yes, night. And, the and they'd switched it to right. BMX Worlds, which was cool. Right. But, like, same thing. If it wasn't the last night of the Tour de France and I was going to get the highlights that night... Thank you. I would have missed... You so were the same as me. Why yeah. didn't USA yeah. Cycling promote yeah. that? Yeah, no, they didn't. Shame on them. That's just, that's just an email mm. or part, whatever. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't uh, want to get on my horse and crumble right. those guys because no, it's not my place, but... I do it because I care for the sport. Yeah, you know, and I'm like Corey. I'm kind of bitter towards the sport. Yeah, when and they, I, again, you're still heavily in the bicycle industry and your connections. And I, I see all the guys you talk to online and, and seeing you over the hump. And 
and your network of people, they should be reaching out to you to try. Hey, Mike, right. why don't you come back? And, right. and I mean, and, and USA BMX used to send to my shop like, hey, we're having a national like they send out used to send out propaganda and, mm-hmm. and I put it up. And yeah, maybe you get one or two kids. That, I don't know. But right. they don't do that anymore. You no. know, they, they, just, they don't do that. No. I mean, you know, there's so much potential and it takes a lot of work. I get it. I get it. You know, I totally get all of everything and I understand mm-hmm. it. But, you know, me as a person. So, like, I look at my life and, you know, I think Greg Hill said it once or maybe it was Mike Miranda. Like, when old BMXers get together, it's better than a high school reunion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But when they close the Orange Y, you know, that hurt me personally. Absolutely. It hurt a lot of people. Yeah. It hurt me because of the childship friendships I made in mm-hmm. the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Friday Night Orange Y with Jimmy Mock and Steve Kane and all these guys. Mm-hmm. Then it came back second time with my family, you know. Like, that hurt. And it, I've, it hurt the sport tremendously. Yes. There are no fast kids at Orange County. No, no. Zero. No. And it used to be if you could you could win gates at Orange. Or you, you're you know, making national mains. Oh, you're, you're, you know, the world, uh, us guys would come from different countries, a lot of world champions, different covers, you, you, countries right. coming to Orange, and you, you'd go to Orange, and you'd get smoked. I mean, belt buckle barriers, the, the prime example is when we all yeah. came to Orange, like, Who's this? Like, you know, even though we, it wasn't that old at the time. It was right. like older than us. Like this older amateur guy was beating all the pros. You yeah. know, and it wasn't like it was lucky. It was every week. You know, yeah. so many guys like belt buckling. And if you could win at orange, you could. You right. pretty much win anywhere. You and know? then you know, like let's look at. So I mean, not to go. So we talked about the old stuff, but look, let's go here, Dale. Let me ask you a question. Like I know Billy Griggs told me what he made for four or five years working racing for Harlow, kind of in his heyday. Yeah. Yeah. It was good money. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a BMX pro, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what? Wh- how much money are you going to make? Yeah. Well, not say <laughs> the, the ones I already listed off. Um, you know, unless you got to get really creative, and a lot of those guys don't want to do that extra things. You know, that you you got to you got to do ten. You know, I've said it a million times. Tyler Brown is a, is not even a double A pro now, but he does so many things. He runs a track. He's a coach. He's doing grassroots. Right. You know, going to schools here and there. Is is traveling. He's still racing vet. You've got to do ten things to right. to, to to make it work. And a lot of the mentality of these younger kids coming up to pro now is is, is train and, and yeah. race, and, and and it's almost oh, you almost see some of them now saying it's okay to make no money. We understand there's no money, and and and, and that's fine. But it seems like the vibe I get from some of these right. guys reading all their things, you know, it's and like that's, it's, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, that's very sad. You they need de- money to survive. They, they deserve to get paid, and if they can walk away with, you know, at least having a house or something, I think then it's uh, right. BMX has, has done them good. And, then, and an injury could be career ending. Yeah. You know, I mean, career ending on a BMX track so they're mm-hmm. risking that you know and other sports there's money there how come and i once again like i don't even know who is a main sponsor for a usa like what's one of their main sponsors usa cycling or oh, no, USA, USA, usa bmx at a national if i go to national they, they have a bunch of little ones i see gopros come into the the foil now but i, I i'm sure it's just a small so why in the know, sponsor you know i mean it's, if their marketing department you know people people big companies want to sponsor kids they like yeah. that you know like Maybe it's going to be Donald. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, have answers. Yeah. But to grow the sport, they're going to need to do quite a few things. They're going to need to get better media, yeah. better marketing. Mm-hmm. They're going to get some need to get some big sponsors. If they get all that together, they can get the big sponsors. Yes, yes. And they need to pay the guys. Yes. There should be, right now, with all the kids, there should be 30 fast elite pros. Yeah, yeah. We have three. Mm, yeah, yeah. U.S., uh, it's, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be really, you know, when Connor and Corbin, I know I've said this before, um, numerous times, but when Connor and Corbin, you know, uh, Elise, Brooke, you know, kind of walk away, and which probably in the next couple of years after the Olympics, I think right. maybe they'll do another year or two after, but 
there's they're all no, the, there's the, a few girls coming sure, through US girls but and the guys it's gonna right. be a really sad time yeah you know, you know and the other thing uh, like let's let's talk about women pros like I've you know if, if somebody's I think I have enough history I'm not Johnny Johnson but <laughs> I could name and no offense to any pro out there there's four or five people that I would say are the greatest BMXers of all times mm. And Elise Post is one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why in the hell is she on a Wheaties cover? Yeah. Her story is amazing. Yes. She shouldn't even race BMX from all mm. the injuries she had mm. her life. She's an amazing athlete. She's an amazing ambassador for the sport. Yeah. USA Cycling should pay her money and travel her to schools and give speeches yeah. because of her story. Well, I think that's where you've got the two, uh, the disconnects. You've got the the industry side, the marketing, the, 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 the all the things that we're used to in, 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 in professional racing. But then you've got the USA Cycling, uh, the Olympic side, where it's more about performance, and they probably would like. We really don't want Lise doing all this. I'm sure they want like we, the the more training and rest, and she's doing the more chance she's right. going to get a medal, the more chance she'll secure funding for I get it for, for the program and right. for, for us. So yeah, you got two different. Um, yeah, yeah, which is which but we is, need the yeah. marketing. To yeah, 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 no, absolutely. For Lise, you know, she's smart enough where she she you, you can hit both. You know, yeah, and, uh, and she is. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they can make it work. Yeah, you know? yeah, but there's only a few of them doing yeah. that. You know, unfortunately, yeah. you know. So if I was at USA BMX, I'd be calling Wheaties and saying, "Look, here's a story in this girl." Here's her resume. I want her on a cover. Yeah, this is good for female. This is good for cycling. This is she deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah, I think the, the 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 biggest thing is they need to bring a marketing team in. You know, and, outside. And, and, yeah, and, and pay so, the money. Yeah, yeah. Instead of maybe just all us BMX people saying what they should and do and uh, should woulda could have, that right. bring somebody new in with a, a different perspective and yeah, and uh, really bring those dollars in. And like I say, once you you bring one, it'll uh, it attracts the other. So. Um, Mike's anything else we want to hit on before uh, before we wrap this up? I know you got to. Uh, we're down here in Oceanside. We met half you know, more 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 not halfway. Uh, but yeah. I appreciate you driving down no, here. You got good. two shops, and uh, you yeah. got to get back back up there to work. I just um, think it's you know it's awesome to have this opportunity and really kind of get this off my chest because you know I love the sport. Yeah. I grew up in the sport, and you know I look at I look at like my childhood and the friends that I've made. You know, like. When I was a kid growing up, Stu Thompson was older than me, okay? I emulated Stu Thompson. Then I emulated Brent and Brian Patterson. Mm. So I'm at over the hump, you know, and this is what, the, this is where, I guess it's the closing, like, cycling is what we are. It's our DNA. Yes. I know. I got blessed. I own a bike shop. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for the way my life turned out. I would have never imagined this. So as a child, I grew up like, oh my God, Stu Thompson. And you're mm -hmm. like, can I have his autograph and go get that Jofa like he did in the number plate? So let's fast forward, you know, 30 years later, I'm at over the hump. I'm taking photos, and the Stu and I are friends. He bought a bike from me, mm -hmm. but like I took a photo of Stu Thompson, the greatest BMXer probably of all times, right. one of them, and I put it on Facebook, and I tagged Stu. Stu sends me a message, hey Mike, is it okay if I share your photo? Like, wait a minute, so, do you realize? Yeah, like, how does this, Stu this was, Thompson. I mean, we, every kid wanted yeah, to be Stu, yeah. you know? Like, and I'm not, There's you know, certain the, people within BMX, and obviously we're all friends and stuff on Facebook, there's certain people like, oh my God, Harry Leary just commented on my thing. Right. I mean, like, there's because guys like that. that right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, but here it is, he's no different than you and I. Right. He's a human, and it's just awesome to see that, like, here's a guy that we put in this pedestal, and yeah. I would, you know, run, like, the mains are on at the national, and you'd run by the fence, and, you know, okay, who's going to win? It's Greg and Stu and PK and Tommy Brackens and my, you know, whatever these, right. like, you try to pick, I want Stu, he's my favorite. You'd be like, no, no, I want Greg to win, and, you know. Yeah. Like th but we made these friendships, yes. and it's, like, such a part of our life. Yeah. And the bike is everything, you mm -hmm. know. It's your first step to freedom as a child, and I know we can all remember when we got our training wheels off. You remember that. You remember oh, yeah. the first bike your dad bought you. Of course. You know, and you remember you just, if that goes away, yeah. you know, what do we have? You know, I ride with my son. I ride with my wife. Like, it's such an amazing, 
And your my... son's really good, isn't he? I know he's a I wouldn't say he's really good, but yeah, right, he's, he loves country, it, you know? Yeah. My son, he rides, he's going to ride 10,000 miles here on his bike. Wow. And you know, Dale, what... Does he ride the giant? He was on the co-factory program, right. and they've kind of modified it, but he's still yeah. a giant athlete, but yeah. not a co-factory. Right. And, and it's good. And he doesn't, he just loves his bike. But, yeah. So here I am, 55 years old, and my weekends are spent riding my bike with my son, if he lets me ride with him because he's way faster than right, I am. Right. But it, it's yeah. it's pretty cool. But the bike, how many, and I'm not crumbling on, but how many parents can say that? That they mm -hmm. spend their weekends with their son and other people riding bikes. Yeah, doing what they love. Yeah, we all love. Most 19-year-old yeah. kids are out doing you know whatever they're doing. Yeah, they're on not. their phones, in their on rooms. On their phones, yeah. in their rooms, or at Starbucks, <laughs> yeah. which is great. I, I, mean, I, right. get, I get it. Yeah. But that's the point. You know, if this BMX goes away, we don't have that opportunity to get what we have today, what I have today, what I've yeah. shared with so many people. The friendships, the bike brought me, the relationships would mm -hmm. have never existed. Well, I'll say going back to Over the Hump and, and, and seeing and connecting there with you, you sort of like everybody knows you and you're friends with everybody. Right. And so essentially, it, think about this. When we were racing Over the Hump, I knew who you were more yeah. than you know who I was. You were Dale Holmes, you're a world champion. You were for Factory GT. Mm. So I think, I rode by you or whatever. And I'm yeah, like, you're talking you're, in the race. Like, you're Dale so, Holmes. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So like we became friends. Yeah, yeah. We don't hang out, but we're, right. I consider us friends. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Through the bike. Yeah, yeah. Because of yeah. BMX. Literally in the race we were talking. Right, right. I mean, I knew you way before yeah. then, but I mean, but right, we, but we, we chatted while I was right, racing cross country. Right. And you probably you know? didn't recognize me. But no, I, I totally you. did. Yeah, because I look kind of like saying you. But the thing is, you have a big presence there. Look what that did. And if we allow that to go away, then that's gone for the future. Yeah. That's gone for our kids. It's gone, you know. So that's why I'm stoked on my son racing and he does what he does. And my wife rides bikes, you know. I mean, she rides bikes because she kind of sees how much I love it and she enjoys it. My daughter raced BMX and she rode bikes. I mean, she's, God bless her, she's off in Hawaii going to college, but, you know, she enjoys a family bike ride. Yeah. You know, like, it's it never all, leaves you, does it? Right. And that's know? that's what, who you and I are, and that's why we're passionate. We make a living about it. And, you know, the thing I, I tell people, my employees at the shop, it's like, look, guys, if you were at that Taco Bell or Chili's as a normal employee, when you get home, do you turn your computer on or your phone and look at, like, Chili's.com and hamburger? You know, no, no. you care less. Yeah, but we do. <laughs> when you and I get home, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to go again. to Haro yeah. and you're going to do a bunch of work down right. there. Yeah. You're going to get home and you're going to log in and you're going to look about bike stuff. Like, yes. you know, what's going on? Yeah, Try yeah. to figure out. It's a you lifestyle. Know, go to, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So we're very yeah. fortunate that we can do that, you know, and I mm. think the industry, A, needs to embrace that. I think, B, you know, USA Cycling needs to really... I think kind of go back to the drawing board yeah. and really revise the program because we are losing a lot mm -hmm. and we're losing a lot what I grew up with and yeah. Greg grew up with and you grew up with and all these people grew up with. Yeah. If that goes away, man, it's going to be a crying shame. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you listen to the the, the Greg, Greg Hill podcast and, and I, I agree a lot with what Greg says, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, he has a lot of history and he says a lot of uh, what people won't, don't want to say, you know, you know, Greg's Greg. I've known Greg for a lot of years. We're really good friends. And, um, I respect Greg. I know a lot yeah. of people think he's a dickhead or, you know, they don't get him. But he does speak the truth and he's passionate about the sport yeah, because Greg's yeah. 57 years old. And that's <laughs> what I respect. You know, I have numerous phone calls, you know, with Greg over the years and stuff. And he's so passionate when he talks. And that's why when another guy like me and you were talking now, there's passion. And it's the same when you talk with Greg. And I feel there's a lot of people that still like BMX and they're okay with it. But they're in the industry because 
they're in the industry right. and the, the, right. the passion's not there and I feel like you know that the fuse needs to be relit and if those guys you know you understand a lot of people have families and kids and stuff but if you don't have passion and you're in control of destiny on a, on a lot of ways and this is in all, all aspects of bmx race you know in the industry and stuff then get out and get somebody new in there that's wants to wants to get out there and do it you know and help get this yeah. thing going again you know I, I, it needs a kickstart it really i does, agree 100 you know? and i always told myself you know like i'm a bike geek when the UPS box shows up every day at my shop, I'm excited. Right. Yeah, yeah. The day the UPS guy shows up and you I'm like, screw not. it, right. then I'm out. Yeah, I mean, no, that's, absolutely. that's the way it is. So no. it's awesome and I really hope that somebody kind of tries to figure this out and I'm super supportive of all the guys that put their heart and soul into BMX in cycling, whether it's BMX or road or mountain, but they should tie it together and work together and really focus on building the sport and mm -hmm. cycling. And it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of work. But if it's not done, then we're going to lose a huge segment of the sport. And we grew up on the BMX. Box. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Mike, that was uh, great talking. Um, people want to get hold of you, check out bike shop stuff, you know, the team yeah, and everything. So, I mean, you know, obviously Instagram, we're big. Uh, FB Bicycles on Instagram, Buena Park Bicycles on Instagram. My own personal Facebook page, uh, Mike Franzi. You know, that's good. FullertonBicycle.com. I mean, all the, everybody's got everything going out. But, you know, I'm open. I, I, I share who I am. I'm always positive. I don't talk negative stuff. And any of my feeds, it's all about the bike and family. And uh, I'm just super stoked. So if everybody out there wants to learn more about who I am, I'm in the process of making a huge documentary that's about cool. everything we discussed, 9-11. Awesome. And that'll be on my YouTube channel, which is Fullerton Bikes, Buena Park Bikes. Okay, guys are smart out there. They'll, they'll find yeah, you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. So, that'll be cool. It's be cool. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, Dale. Cheers.